Welcome to the Power Place. Boy, I am so glad you guys are in church today. I'm so glad to be in church today. And as you can see from the trailer that we just showed you, today is going to be a powerful day. Man, I have a message on my heart, and I'm so excited to get to share it with you. To be honest, I wasn't sure I was going to have the opportunity. Have you ever just had one of those weeks where it seems like everything goes wrong? Yes. Okay, well, that was my week. Well, one, I was supposed to preach last week, but we had the snowstorm. I'm so glad all of you survived the snowstorm. You made it here. Uh, you're back for another week. So there was a snowstorm. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe we'll, I won't get to preach. Then I got in my first accident, car accident this week. I say car accident because it sounds more dramatic. It was more just a fender bender, but still it was the first time I've ever had to deal with anything like that. Uh, shook me up a little bit, so that happened. My battery on my computer died. I mean, let me tell you, everything that could have went wrong, went wrong. Uh, I've been losing my voice all week. I haven't quite had a voice to be able to really talk. Here's what I know. The enemy doesn't want you to be here today because there is something happening in the atmosphere. There's something happening here, and there, God wants to set you free. Today is a day of freedom. We are finishing up our series, Captive No More. When we were praying about 2016, we were asking God, God, what do you want us, what do you want us to do in 2016? Like, what does this year look like? And so we started praying, and God led us to a scripture in Luke, which we're going to go to today. And it's this whole idea of captives no more. Uh, so we decided that that was going to be our theme for the year. So that way we were focused, and we were ready for whatever God was going to do. We are going to go after it, because we don't want to see captives in our city anymore. Then, I don't know if you know this, but as we started studying this area, historically, uh, this, it's very prophetic because Kennett Square, back uh, in the late 1800s with the, um, the slavery and the Underground Railroad, Kennett Square was actually known as the gateway to the promised land. How prophetic is that? That Kennett Square, slaves knew if they were literally in bondage, they were in captivity, but they knew if they could just get to Kennett Square, they could be free. If they could just get here, right where we are, they could live a free life. How cool is it that God has placed us specifically here for a reason? It's not by accident that you showed up today. I know there are some people in here who it took everything to get out of bed this morning. It took everything to get to church today. And even when you walked in, your shame was too great that you couldn't even lift your face. You couldn't lift your eyes from the floor. I know that there are people in here who are so captive, who are so held in bondage by fear, by depression, by anxiety, by these things that keep us from the life that we're called to live. And today, God wants to set you free. Today is the day that God will act. Today is the day of the Lord's favor. I am so excited you came to church. Now do you know why the enemy didn't want us to have this? Come on. After having lived in Florida for a few years um, in school, I kind of became accustomed to the warm weather. So when uh, this huge snowstorm, this is my first winter in like four years. I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I have no excuse. I'm used to it. Um, but this is my first snowstorm in like four years. 
And there's two things that I notice about the snow, about winter. There are two types of people when something like this happens. Two types. There is the first type of person, and I tend to be a little bit more like this, where you love the snow. It was, they were calling for inches, and you were like, bring it on, bring it on, more, 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 more. 33 inches, however much we got. You were out there taking pictures. You couldn't wait to get your kids in the snow to build snowmans. That's the first type of person. So excited, love the snow. Then there's the second type of person. And really, there's no in-between. You either fall in the first or you fall in the second. But the second type of person, and some of you even walked in here this morning like this, your automatic response to winter is automatic frown. I hate winter. I hate snow. Even when the greeters greeted you this morning on your way in, they said, hey, how are you? Welcome back to church. I hate winter. Can you believe how much snow we got? Come on. Two types of people. Winter is so much fun, if you want it to be. But boy, I just believe that God has something so specific that whatever you came in here carrying, whatever you came in here with, God wants to do something. Uh, We started off this series a few weeks ago, 2016, literally taking 2016 by storm with the blizzard of 2016, uh, because we're excited about what's going on. So Pastor Greg started us out with uh, this message on what it looks like to be the anointed one. Our passage in Luke that we're going to look at in just a few minutes, it starts out with uh, Jesus reading reading this prophecy about himself, and it says that he was sent anointed to proclaim the good news to the poor. That's the first thing that we're called to do because then Jesus a few chapters later would then say, "Uh, now you will go and do even greater things than I did. So now we are the anointed ones. We are the ones to carry that freedom into our community, into this culture, into where we are. And then Elijah continued that message a few weeks ago talking about the blind receiving sight. Uh, And he talked about how even as a kid, He was afraid to go blind. It was a scary thing. You can't see anything. And so instead of me recapping his message really quick to give you a heads up, I want to show you this video because we've seen in our kids, I don't know if you've noticed that, but even our kids have started taking on this message. They understand this whole idea of being captive and being set free. They even play it in nursery. Who's going to come and set the captives free today? Oh, it's my turn. It's my turn. So I want to show you this video. Take a look. This is a, a recap of Elijah's message.
Okay, how awesome is that? So cute. <laughs> that is Isaiah and Brittany's daughter, London, if you didn't know, and she does not want to be blind. She doesn't, and so we're gonna sing about it. And who knows, that might make it on our uh, worship album that's coming out this year, you never know. But yeah, so that's uh, just a recap. Elijah preached about, not, um, about having the blind receive sight. What does it look like to be able to see the things that God is doing? So man, we're excited for you to be here today. We're excited for this year. Uh, today, we're gonna finish up our series, Captive No More, um, and get ready for Super Fan Sunday next week, which is gonna be amazing, and then our Hand in Hand series. We have a lot of cool things coming up this year. We really do. So let's get started. If you wanna grab your Bible, it'll be on the screen. We're gonna go to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, and we're gonna start at verse, uh, let's see, verse 14. Luke chapter four, verse 14. This is what it says. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you are starting here in Kennett Square, here in Chester County. Uh, God, we thank you for what you are doing, and we acknowledge uh, your ever-present, ever-faithful presence here today. God, we know that you are doing something, and so we say, come. We open our hearts. We open our eyes. Uh, fill us with the new life. Fill us with your new life. God, give us freedom from what has bound us for so long. God, with a joy so unspeakable and a strength so undeniable, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. When I was growing up, my, um, my mom is basically a human Spotify. Um, and for the older people who don't know what Spotify is, it's basically like endless music. Any artist besides Taylor Swift and Adele, ugh, duh. Um, and then basically you can have any music you want on your phone at any time, so it's Spotify. Well, that, my mom is basically the human version of that. Anything that we felt, anything that we, anything that happened, my mom had a song for it, kind of like Christy, she's the same way. I don't know if any of you are in here, but if we were feeling angry, if we were feeling fearful, if we were feeling happy, you name it, my mom sang it. It happened all the time. But the worst of the worst, was when we would feel sad. My mom had this one song that she would always go back to, and some of you might know it, but it goes like this. Nobody likes
likes me, everybody hates me. I'm going to the garden to eat worms. Big, fat, juicy worms, ooey, gooey little worms, teeny, tiny, baby little worms. Yes, anybody know that song? Okay, well, what a crazy song to sing when somebody's sad. That does not make you feel better at all. In fact, it made me feel worse every time. Every time. Nobody likes me. Oh, it just went on and on. Anytime my sisters and I would feel sad, my mom would, we'd be like in our beds or something, and she'd come over and look like she was going to give us a hug or really try and comfort us, and then she'd start singing that song. I was like, really, Mom? <laughs> but, you know, as I've gotten older, I've been in moments where I have been sad in my college dorm room in uh, different areas, and you know what plays in my head? The minute I feel sad, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, every time without fail. You know, it's so crazy how something as simple as that song, it really, it sticks with you. And I'm amazed at how many times I've actually felt that way. Nobody likes me, everybody hates me. It's amazing how so many of us walk around being held captive to, maybe it's not being held captive to a specific sin. Maybe it's not being held captive to an addiction or uh, something major. Maybe you've been captive to a circumstance, to something that has happened in your life that has crushed your spirit, made you stand in a place that says, man, nobody likes me. Man, everything I do just seems to fall I can't make anything work. You see, there are a lot of us who walk around crushed. There are a lot of us who walk around bruised. And so in Luke chapter four, when Jesus is reading this prophecy, he's reading about the things that he was sent to earth to do. This scripture is so much more than just a few verses that Jesus read out of the prophet Isaiah. It was so specifically marked that he read that exact verse at the exact time that he needed to. So he went to his hometown. Imagine he went away for a while. He'd been preaching and people heard about him. Who's this Jesus? Who's this guy that's talking, that has all of these really cool things to say that's leading people and generations and healing? So he goes back to his hometown and the buzz is huge. And so he goes to the synagogue to basically the church. And he has the honor every single time that somebody's in this, that you have like a service in the synagogue, somebody has to read um, one of the scrolls. It just so happened that Jesus was home, so they gave him the honor of reading the scroll that day. And so he picked it up and he read this specific passage from Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 52. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. He's reading this about himself. It was written hundreds of years before, but he was reading it about himself in this moment. And then the scripture says, as soon as he finished reading the scroll, he rolled up the scroll and sat down. Uh, In the Jewish culture, that's a sign of authority. Uh, When you sit down, all eyes are on you because you have something to say at that point. And so it says, it specifically says, he sat down and all eyes were on him. And Jesus said, today, today, 
this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today is the day that God is going to act. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Um, And so what's so crazy about this, and when uh, at first I, um, I won't say I was assigned this verse, but we kind of, when we were doing our calendar planning, uh, we just kind of picked who was going to go when. And so um, when I was given this verse, and the two verses we're going to focus on are to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I started really like praying and asking the Lord, like, okay, what does that mean, oppression? Like to set the oppressed free. That's like heavy. That's a little bit like scary. That's deep oppression. I mean, what do you think of when you think of oppression? A lot of us, we think of demons. We think of slavery. We think of these big, huge things that would never happen to you and me. No, 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 like oppression. That's, that's something we hear about in movies. That's something we see in other people's lives, but never you and me. But, you know, as I started studying this passage and as I started really uh, diving into what God's word says, I uh, took this scripture back to the Greek, uh, which uh, we have the NIV, which is translated from the Greek. So in Greek, this verse, to set the oppressed free, actually like exactly translated means to send the crushed away in deliverance. To send the crushed away in deliverance. To set the oppressed free. You see, You may have heard about oppression. Maybe you've experienced it. You may have seen something about oppression. You may have heard a message about it. But every single one of us have been crushed. Every single one of us at one point in our lives have walked around crushed. We've lived with a crushed spirit, not sure what to do and how to get where we needed to go. To send the crushed away in deliverance. And not only that, but when I was studying it, this, the word oppressed, the only time it's ever translated as, or the word crushed, the only times it's ever translated as oppressed in this exact thing, so oppressed and crushed to mean the same thing, is in this verse. In the whole Bible, the only time this word oppressed actually would be translated to crushed, to bruised, to beaten. And so I thought that was so crazy to think, in this verse that I put so far out of my mind, like, oh, that could never be me. Like, yeah, Jesus came to set the oppressed free. He came to set those people free, but that's not me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. And then all of a sudden, to send the crushed away in deliverance, in forgiveness. It reminded me of another story in the Bible You might know this man, it's in the Old Testament. You might know him as the boy who killed Goliath. You might know him as the king of Israel. You might know him as the man after God's own heart. You might know him as one of the most famous scripture um, characters in the Bible, David. Incredible guy. Man, he was called, God said he's a man after my own heart. David was an incredible guy. Um, But part of his story He lived crushed. He did. And so I want to give you a little bit of backstory, and I want to take you there. It it happens in 1 1 Samuel chapter 22. David, when he was a young boy, killed Goliath. 
It was like his shining moment, the moment all of a sudden he was on the map. He was on the map of victory. Uh, Saul, the king at that time, took notice of David and uh, wasn't sure what to do with him in that moment. And then shortly after David killed Goliath, uh, he was anointed to be the king of Israel. Sounds like a great life, right? I mean, just win after win after win. He killed a a bear uh, and a lion. He was an amazing guy. Later on, we, read, we continue the story, um, and he, he brings Israel together. He uh, fights so many battles. There's songs that are sung about him. People in the towns are singing songs about how Saul kills t- um, 1,000, but David, he kills 10,000. I mean, David was like, he was like the it guy of the time. He was like Justin Bieber, you know? Like everybody knew David. But there was a time in David's life There was a time in David's life where he lived crushed. And so I want to read this for you. Um, It says, David left, it says, verse 22, chapter 22, uh, verse 22, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's households heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. So now take a minute and imagine being David. You, um, you have had some crazy successes in your life. Uh, you have the most incredible future ahead of you. You've already been told that someday you will be king. You don't know when that will be. Um, but now imagine, because of these successes that you've had, you're fleeing for your life. People are coming at you at every angle. You have to hide in caves in order to save your own life. Can you imagine David sitting in the cave of Adullam, it says, he fled. Not only was the the king of Israel at that time after him, but other kings in that. I mean, he had people coming at him at every angle. Imagine David sitting in that cave, the cave of Adullam. It's in the exact same vicinity as the place where he killed Goliath. So imagine him sitting at the edge of the cave, looking out on the valley of his greatest success, of the moment that his life was beginning, and now sitting in the darkest moment that he could be in, sitting in the despair, in the loneliness, crying out, God, what could you possibly be doing? Hello, did you forget that you like gave me this great future? Hello, God, what are you doing? David even wrote in the Psalms, um, in Psalm 142, this is, a, this is one that was written while he was in the cave. It says, when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for my life. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm pretty sure David had one of those moments. Nobody cares. God, what are you doing? But what's crazy about this story is that it was in David's crushed moments. It was in the moments where he was in the darkest places of his life that God actually used that as one of his strongest. Because you see, it says Uh, Right after it says that he escaped to the cave, it says when his brothers and his family heard about him in the cave, they went to him. 
So his family surrounded him. That's great. That's always wonderful, especially if you're feeling down. But not only that, it said all those who were discontented, all those who were in distress, all those who were in debt, all those who were suffering, all those who couldn't quite get it together, they were, they were struggling, came and surrounded David in the cave. There were 400 men, and they ended up becoming David's army. So David's mighty men, his army, came out of the darkest place of David's life, out of the moments where he was crushed, out of the times where he was the loneliest and the saddest and in those places. Because you see, when you, uh, when you are in a place where you are crushed, that is where God is the strongest. That is where God comes in and takes us from where we are and takes us to where we need to be in order to lead the people around us. You may be here and you may be crushed. My question for you today and the reason that this message has been on my heart is because I have seen so many people living their life crushed. I've seen so many people go throughout their life and never quite see how they're gonna reach their potential. Never quite see what the purpose and where they could end up going. God is the strongest in our weakest moments. What is it that has crushed you? What is it that has crushed your spirit? Was it being abandoned by a parent as a child? Was it being bullied in school? Was it the moment you, uh, you lost your job or maybe you lost a loved one? Was it the moment your marriage fell apart? the day of your divorce, what has crushed your spirit? You see, unfortunately, none of us can escape the things that life throws at us. Even, even us who follow Christ, we are called to live an abundant life, and part of that is learning how to take these moments of being crushed in spirit and still out of that, letting God show who he is. A few years ago, I had written in a journal. It's actually really crazy. I was um, looking at this uh, this week, and it's almost two years to the date. I wrote this on February 6th, 2014. Um, and I'm not usually like a diary person, but for some reason, I was, must have been having a really bad day. And I journaled this thing, and this is what I said. February 6th, 2014, my own handwriting, for real, I didn't make this up. <laughs> I really wrote this. I said, I wish I could describe what I feel right now. The only word coming to my mind is sad. Lord, help me to understand what my heart is thinking. Help me to understand why I'm sad. I mean, that came out of my own mouth. That, that came out of one of the darkest moments, the loneliest moments. I can't, I mean, I wrote in there, I, I can't describe what I'm feeling. There are some of you here who have felt that. There are some of you here who have been in moments where you can't describe what you're feeling. Depression has crushed you. Anxiety has crushed you. Fear has crushed you, has crushed your spirit. And yet because I was looking at this exact um, thing that I wrote, I actually go a few pages later, I'm not kidding you, a few pages later, um, and I, I write, 
I can't believe what God can do in just a few days. Exact words of what I wrote a few days later. Because here's what happens. When you have a crushed spirit, when you are walking uh, in sadness and loneliness and depression and anxiety and all of these things, if you call on the name of the Lord, he is there. The Bible says that he is close to the brokenhearted. He is there for the lonely. He comes to call us out of darkness into light. And so if you simply lift your eyes and say, Jesus, I don't get it. I don't understand, but I know that you do. I know that your plan for me is so much greater than these moments, these times that I am in. You see, Jesus is a perfect example. It says in Isaiah 53, he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Guys, even Jesus was crushed, but out of that became his greatest moment. The reason he was crushed was so we could live. Jesus Christ, the exact same one who was born in a manger, who died on a cross for you and for me, was raised to life so that we could live and not live crushed, not live in a crushed spirit, but live in the year of the Lord's favor. Live in the day of God's favor. Today is the day that God will act. Today is the day of the Lord's favor in your life. He wants you to be free. You have to be willing to take it and to receive it and to walk in it. You can look at freedom all you want. It's there for you. You can look at it. You can maybe even touch it. But unless you're willing to step into it, you're never going to experience what it's like to truly be free, to live a life of freedom. God wants to teach some of you a new, lang a new language this year, and it's called laughter. Do you know what the greatest... To me, what I think is the, the greatest oxymoron in all of the English language, an oxymoron like, you know, big shrimp or something like that, they contradict. The greatest oxymoron is sad Christian, lonely Christian, mad Christian, angry Christian. We have been given a life. We have been given joy. It says the joy of the Lord will be our strength. Some of you guys have been fighting wrong. Some of you have been looking to other things to fight this battle for you, and yet the joy of the Lord will be your strength. The smile on your face is what will take you to where you need to go. Imagine, imagine a city. Imagine a church where we smiled. Imagine being known for your smile. Imagine being known for your kind spirit. Imagine a church being known in our community as, man, that's the happy place. I don't know what they're doing, but man, they're just so happy. Guess what? God has joy for you. Some of you haven't laughed in a long time. Some of you have been in places that are dark, that are scary, that are lonely. Today, God wants to set you free. His freedom is here. Jesus is here.
The scripture that was read today is being fulfilled in your hearing because we are here and Jesus is here to meet you where you are. As the band comes up, we're gonna close in the next few minutes. There's some crazy things in the Bible. One of the coolest to me is the story of David because God took a, a crazy success. He kind of has a normal human life from what we see. He has a success, he has a future, he gets crushed. He comes back up because God raises, raises him up and then he falls and he comes back up and his life kind of goes like this, up and down, up and down. And yet all throughout his life, if you read in the Psalms, if you read um, in the places where David was writing what he was feeling, it always came back to, but God is faithful. But God is here. But God, no matter where you have been, no matter what you have been through, God is faithful. God is here. He wants you to be free. He wants you to experience a life like you have never experienced before. He wants you to experience joy that is so undeniable, so unspeakable that it flows from the tips of your toes out into every aspect of your life. God wants you to experience a freedom so true, so tangible that the things that have once held you bound, the things that have once held you back from experiencing the life that you want to experience be gone in an instant. Olives, sorry, that's a weird transition, but olives, the olives that you eat, um, olive oil, something crazy. Olives don't actually experience their full potential until they've been crushed. When I was in Israel, every site that we went to, I mean, we saw ruins after ruins, piles of rocks after piles of rocks, and they all mean something and they're all awesome. Every single site had this thing called an olive press because olives are one of the most valuable crops in the state of Israel. Um, you can basically do anything with an olive. There's olive oil, you use it for hygiene, you use it for makeup, you use it for cleaning, you use it for cooking, you use it for, I mean, you for fertilization. You, in Israel, and even here, you use olives for just about everything. But an olive doesn't reach its full potential until it's been crushed until the oil has been spilled out of it. And so you may be here today and you may not know or maybe have never felt like you could have a potential, that you could have a future. You may have been crushed, but God is just beginning. Today is your day. Today is the day that God will act. Today is the day of the Lord's favor wants to do something today and we want to open up the altar because today we believe that there is a step that you need to take if you've been in bondage you may understand that taking a step is a little bit hard you're bound you're stuck can't really move when you're set free we want to give you the opportunity to take that step into freedom not easy 
I mean, it is easy, but it's a war inside your mind. Oh, what are people gonna think if I am, if I go down front? What are people gonna think if I'm at the altar? Who cares? Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before people, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before people, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Today, you need to take a step. Take a step into the freedom that God has given you. Take a step into the joy of the Lord like you have never experienced. Stand with me all over this place and bow your heads. There are two two things that I want this morning that I'm uh, calling you to. Bow your heads everywhere around here. We want to give everybody the privacy of this moment. The first call I want to give is for there are some of you here that have never made a decision to follow Christ. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. For your situation, for your circumstances, for the things that you have been through. Today is the day that God will act. Today is the day to make a decision to follow Christ. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he raised from the dead, then you will have eternal life. If there is somebody in here and you feel that stirring in your heart, you feel that pitter-patter, you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, with nobody looking around, everybody's eyes closed, would you just slip up your hand? Acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. He's here for you. He's here today. Today is the day that God will act. My second call is there are some of you who you have walked in bondage for far too long. You have been stuck for far too long. Depression has has crushed you. Anxiety has crushed you. Fear has crushed you. All of these things, you have been bound for far too long. Today is the day that God will act. Today is the day of the Lord's favor. If you want to be set free, if you want to walk into that freedom today, whatever you may be dealing with, it could be anything. If it is an addiction, if it is sin, um, if it is a circumstance that has kept you bound, if you want to be free, would you just raise your hand all over this place lift your hand and say God I'm here, I'm ready today is the day today is the day that God will act today is the day of your freedom today right now now I'm going to ask you to do something really bold lifted your hand for either one of those um, two things that I called, I want you to come up front. Not so that everybody can see you, but simply so that way you can take a stand for your freedom. Simply so you can walk forward no longer being bound. Those first steps are gonna be hard. Those first moments are gonna be hard, but God has freedom waiting for you. All you have to do is simply say yes. All you
you have to do is take a step towards what God is calling you to. Today is the day of the Lord's favor in your life. God wants to set you free. If you need laughter, if you need joy in your life, I want you to come. I want you to come and experience the joy of the Lord. Come and experience freedom again.